1: American Glutton Podcast has a Patreon. Do you hate commercials? Well, we've got a Patreon. Do you want bonus episodes? That's on the Patreon. Do you want to hang out and chat in our Discord channel? That's part of the Patreon too. We even have an option where you can leave me voicemails. All on the Patreon. So check it out today. Patreon.com slash American Glutton. We have a Patreon. Hi. Please take a moment to like, subscribe, rate, review, all of the above on whatever app you're American Glutton is brought to you by Trifecta. The biggest factor in weight loss for me has been knowing ahead of time what I'm going to eat and having it ready when I need it. Trifecta meal deliveries have made this completely effortless for me and have been a total game changer in both diet and maintenance. Go to www.trifectanutrition.com slash American Glutton to make your life and physical goals a whole lot easier. On last week's podcast, I told Colin O'Brady that I would do his 12-hour walk on September 11th, I think. My wife heard this and notified me that we would be out of the country on vacation and she would not give up one of my travel days for uh, a 12-hour walk. So I'm going to find another day to do this, and I will let you know when that is. My guest today is Jared Gordon, professional mixed martial artist and advocate for those struggling with addiction. You can find him on Instagram at Jared Flash Gordon. Stay tuned after the episode for a check-in with Michael Peña. Jared Gordon, welcome to the American Glutton Podcast. Thank you for having me. Um, so you are very outspoken on addiction, and I'm a sober guy, and the parallels with addiction and obesity for me are perfect. They they don't deviate, really. Um, so I'd love to hear about your
2: story. Man, it runs deep. Uh, my addiction i believe was like partly hereditary started early or at least the like the the demons and the you know the situations and the stuff that happened in my life that you know turned me to self medicating and i self medicated in all sorts of ways and i still do now even though i'm sober you know i use other things to self medicate and get outside of myself um, but I truly believe that stuff that happened as a kid to me is one of the you know a lot of a lot of the reason for why I self medicated. Uh, but I'll start early. My father was an alcoholic, drug user, cocaine and alcohol was his thing. He smoked pot. My 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 mother smoked pot too. She partied also. Um. But I mean, so I grew up in in Long Island, on the north shore of Long Island, in a in a wealthy neighborhood. Uh, I never like had to ask for anything, or or I never felt like I needed anything that I didn't have. Anything I wanted, I got. Uh, we lived in a big house. My father's property taxes were very high, <laughs> you know, and I always like drove around in my dad's car and it was always like a European car or something. And I never, like, it wasn't like that for me. Um, But that doesn't mean that things inside the home were great, you know. Uh, My father wouldn't come home a lot. He was out, you know, cheating on my mother and he would be drinking and doing drugs. And, um, you know, my mother's a Sicilian woman, so she was very loud and outspoken and uh, she made it pretty clear what was happening you know i would used to ask like "Well, where's dad you know and she'd be like he's out drinking you know he's i'd be like, what do you mean like i didn't understand like he's out drink- drinking what like and then i you know i started to realize uh and then like you know he wouldn't come home or he would be a little late from his normal like arrival time and i would know like uh, He's going out again. And that happened for years and years and years. And he wouldn't, you know, he'd come home at 4 a.m., 5 a.m. Sometimes he wouldn't come home. Uh, and I would always ask my mom, like, where's dad? Where's dad? And she would say, oh, he's out. He's drinking. Or, And one time she said, oh, he's, he's driving around. And I was like, he's driving around? What do you mean he's, it's freaking 1 a.m.? What do you mean he's driving around? Like, So I was curious. And I remember my father came home one night. He passed out. And I went into his car. Early in the morning, you know, my mom said he's driving around. So I was like, well, he must be like doing stuff in his car. Uh, I was like six or seven years old. And I remember going in there and <laughs> smelled like cigarettes. And there was like little specks of white stuff everywhere. And I was like, what the hell, you know? And I remember like taking it and like tasting it. And uh, my lips got numb. And uh, at the time, I was like, what is this stuff? And then like, obviously, as I got older, I realized. You know, that was cocaine, and then, uh...
1: Your first encounter was when you were yeah, six or seven. Yeah, I was like six or seven, Wow, yeah.
2: cocaine. And, you know, we used to always go into, like, my parents' room, and, like, the closet would smell, like, burnt stuff, and, like, you know, it was, like, their pot stash. Uh, and, like, everyone around them and th- their friends and our family, they all smoked pot and drank, and, you know, they would go out Friday, Saturday night, and they would they would leave us home, and, like, they would always come home, like, red-eyed and drunk, and, like, they would, like, you know wake us up at, like, 11 p.m., 12 a.m., and, you know, or later than that, and, like, wrestle us, and we'd be like, what are you doing? And they would wreak alcohol and weed, you know, and, like, so some of it was, like, fun or funny, um, but some of it was bad, you know, and so I actually went to a sleepaway camp not that long after. I was 8 years old, and uh, I was sexually assaulted by a male counselor there. Oh, full-on, full-on rape. Uh, I remember it vividly. (laughs) It's like stained in my brain. The sounds, the smells, uh, the the, the pain, the feeling, the physical pain, the mental pain. Uh, I came home from camp and that fall, I turned nine that September. uh, And then that fall, we had like, I had some older family friends and they were smoking pot and... We knew that my parents smoked pots, so we like found their stash in their closet, and we, we we all smoked. Me and my older brother, Dylan, who's in recovery as well, and some of our family friends who were like 13, 14 years old. And uh, you know they were smoking, Like I wanted to be cooler or whatever, and I started smoking pot, I was nine years old. And I remember like back then thinking like, oh, this is normal. But now looking back at it, it's like nine years old. I saw a nine-year-old yeah. someone would pot, I would smack them, yeah. you know? <laughs> like, I see nine-year-olds, they don't even, you know, they're playing on iPads. Yeah. So it was like, yeah, it's super early and and it progressed, you know? Uh, dr- you know, I started, you know, drinking beers, you know, we're outside, we played outside a lot and um, by the time I was 13, I would Done like cocaine for real, you know. And uh, I don't like to glorify it, but like you know, I lived in this in the city in Queens, New York uh, later on, and uh, you know we sold drugs and we did all that stupid stuff. And like it just so it it was always around drugs. Drugs were always a part of my life uh, as a kid. Um, so like it started it started really early for me. And then let me ask you this: yeah. Do you think
1: that? identifying the root cause is necessary to make a change? Or do you think that, like, the change happens and then we identify?
2: Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, is it chicken I, and the egg I for think, you? No, I think it can go either way. Right. Um, for me, it was just I couldn't do it anymore. I, I ran out of steam and I was like, I'm done with this life. Yeah. I need to. I need to change. And, you know, I just had to, like, separate myself from the street and the drugs, clear my mind, and then I started working on myself. Uh, I think for some people it's different, though. You know, others might, like, be like, this happened to me and this is a direct cause for why I'm drinking and drugging and I have to change it. And, you know, they already knew. You know, I didn't know that my past traumas were, you know, probably part of the reason why i self-medicated or now i know they are you know i think they call it uh they call like autopilot they're implicit or explicit memories that you remember and then there's implicit memories that are just uh it's like subconscious, right. Right? Like you don't know that you're doing certain things because of those memories. And I had to learn those implicit memories, you know, or why I'm doing this or acting out this way. Yeah. And, uh, so I had to like, you know, take a look at it all. And I didn't, in, I didn't tell anyone what happened to me in camp until I was 23. Oh, wow. And I told Christina, my now wife, uh, and she told my parents, um, and the guy actually got caught in a child pornography ring. Really? Yeah, and he's in prison. Uh, and my mom sp- actually spoke to the FBI, and they were, they wanted me to testify against him in court, but I didn't want to go through with it. But yeah. they asked me to write a letter to the judge, and they would use it as, like, evidence against him, and, and that's what we did. Wow. Yeah, I didn't – I just didn't – I always had this, like, uh, vendetta against him, like – I used to tell myself, like, when I get older, I'm going to kill this person. Yeah. I can't do it now because I can't drive and I don't have a gun. <laughs> but when I'm of age, I'm going to kill this person. So I, I felt like if I saw this guy in court, I don't know what I would do or how I would react. So I just was like, nah, but I'll write a letter. Yeah. That's enough for me. And you know? he did get locked up. He did, yeah. I think he got sentenced to eight years because, you know, he got caught with, like, child pornography. Yeah. So I don't think they caught him in, like, a real like a rape case, but he was working at an all boys Catholic school and he was the swim coach and he, he worked as a camp counselor. So he just wanted to be like around little boys. Oh, like, man. yeah, like he's a sick individual, you know? And you know, like I'm a man of God now. And like, I kind of like, it's insane to say that I forgive him, but like, I'm o- I am don't even know if I could say I forgive him, but I'm over it. Right. You know, like I've explored it. I've learned about my traumas and dealt with it and I like, still cope with it and think about it and uh yeah I'm like like I think I'm past it at this point you know what
1: yeah. was there a period of time um cuz when when I think about uh getting off drugs when I think about starting a diet both of these things have um an an equal effect on me mentally where it's just a sadness and there's a, a You know, because I feel like I did something very similar where I, I even thought of like heroin as an antidepressant. It just was like what made me feel normal basically for a long time. And then without it, there was almost this inability to experience happiness. And it took me a long time to get to the point where, um, where I could where I just felt comfortable, you know, and I'm not talking about physiologically like the not dope sick and, and not um, like that weird flu you get not that which sucks. But once you're through that and you're like, okay, I can eat now. This is new. I'm sleeping normal. This is new. Um but I'm not. But nothing, nothing is nothing is impinging on my sense of well being. I just,
2: you know what I mean. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like once you get over the initial like dope sickness and all that. Yeah.
1: And yeah. and there's a period of time where you almost have to learn how to be a normal person, quote unquote normal person. Oh, yeah. how, how did you? How did you get through that?
2: Oh man, like. There was so, and you know, even after getting over all those initial symptoms, <clears throat> excuse me, um you know you, you're just like- you still crave- you still think about it a lot early on, you know, craving, and um it took me a it took me months to like really be like, all right, I think I'm like kind of back to normal now, um, but I did you know i i I do go to AA. uh you know, I did a lot of all of that step work and sponsors and helping other people. And, uh, you know, a l- part of me also feels like I'm, I'm not normal still, you know, because I have like very like, uh, you know, a lot of the things I say or do. My, like people look at me like,
1: <laughs> I, I, I use You're normal right. very loosely. Like right, I, right, right. I think of a, I think I don't think of myself as normal. I just think like I'm mostly Phoning in being a normal person and trying my best yeah. to to be as like I'm observing normal people. And I'm like, w- how does that guy behave? Well, I'm going to do that. I, I And then I feel bad right. because I think labeling somebody normal could be like, I don't yeah. know what they're going no, through no. either.
2: Well, I think for me, I had to like learn new ways of living. Like I never knew how to live normally. Right. Like, you know, I was a kid. I started doing drugs early on. And then I got sober when I was 27. So it's been six and a half years that I'm sober. But I I missed that whole in between part, and like you know, I didn't I never really learned how to like um, be an adult until I got sober. They I think they say like you start doing drugs, like you quit, you you don't mature after that until you stop again. So like I started at nine years old again. Like I had to learn all this. Like, how to behave and how to, like, learn, you know, how to just live, like, a a regular – cope with my emotions and feelings in a safe manner or a safer manner. Um, so, I think a lot of it was learned over the last six and a half years. And just suggestions that I – you know, other people that got sober, like, this is – you know, taught me how to be a man. Like, yeah. how to – how do I live like in society and not have to like be in this underworld of darkness, right. which was fun at times. But uh, it's just like impossible to live that way. And, you know, like I could have gotten I've been abstinent for a lot of times in my life, but I was still living like a junkie. Right. Doing things like a a, a drug addict or like a criminal would and, like still living that lifestyle, but just not doing the drugs and alcohol anymore. Uh, so I had to get rid of all that and then try to be positive. And I think like was is
1: it, like when I think about that, so I had um, I relate numerous times of just going like I just need to stop doing X and X is the entirety of my problem. And so if I'm gonna stop doing that, I'm gonna stop doing that on my own and I'm gonna just white knuckle my way through the pain. but I'm not gonna change any of my other behavior. Right and that always that was a house of cards every single time like i never had success it really for me wasn't until i went my life is unmanageable and i need i need guidance from somebody that was that was when i you know when i kind of um gave up on my own ideas and now i have loads of ideas right like i can give you ideas that i have for myself on On just about everything, but it took a long time. Um,
2: What finally made you do that? Um, Like come to the point of unmanageability, like admitting my yeah, like because because.
1: I think in, in certainly in terms of like food, if I try to relate it back to food, and I, I just do this a lot with, with wow. most stuff in my life, I go like, how does A relate to B? And typically for me, I find stuff relates, but like so many times I just went like, I need to lose weight. I'm not going to change any of my life other than for the short period of time, I'm going to eat less, even if it's like drastically less. Boom, I lost weight. Good. I'm done. And now, because I haven't reshuffled my life at all, I'm gaining weight again. So, similarly to drugs, I'm going to go and associate with all the same people. I'm going to do basically the same things. I'm going to go out to nightclubs. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. I'm just going to not do drugs. And then I get, uh, you know, in my head, I I just need 30 days, and then I'll be fine. And after 30 days, where... I'm thinking in 30 days the problem will be solved that I won't need to do drugs anymore but what always happened was in 30 days I'm doing drugs again. Mm-hmm. Um so how, yeah how did you if you're if you're hitting periods of abstinence obviously you knew you could hit a period of abstinence what what changed that you went like oh I'm not I'm not being successful with these periods of abstinence. Right.
2: So I had There was two times in my life where I had like 20 months of sobriety or abstinence. And then another couple months after that, I gained another year and a half. Uh, Each time I had a surgery due to fighting and I would relapse right away. Uh, But I wasn't doing anything to keep myself on the path besides using like external and tangible things to keep me, you know, from using like, oh, I need... I can't use because how can I fight if I'm shooting heroin? Right. <laughs> it's just not possible. Right. Uh, for so long, at least.
1: Wh- which to me, I go like, how the fuck could you fight while oh, using? Like, it's really. crazy.
2: There's only a short period of time where, like, as an amateur fighter, I was taking painkillers, like pills, and like fighting and still winning. Right. Uh, but you know, when you're shooting cocaine and heroin, like, there's no functionality whatsoever. Like, <laughs> I right. would be like stuck in the bathroom for like twelve hours. Yeah. You know. Um, so, like, like I said, you know, I, I started going to meetings, I started helping people, uh, I started like practicing certain principles and like trying to, you know, put them in all of my affairs, you know, not just like using those principles when it comes to drugs and alcohol, but like in everything, in my relationships, uh, at work, uh, with absolutely everything, you know, just living certain way, living a certain way in all of my life. And, you know, when things get tough, being able to rely on people and my, like, the defenses that I learned against, you know, using and drinking, Uh, and that's how I've been able to stay sober now. God is, like, my biggest thing. Like, I, you know, um, I'm a, I took me a long time to, like, believe in something, and it evolved into God for me, and I call my God Jesus. Um, so when there's nothing besides me and, I'm, you know, there's nothing to stop me, all I have is God, you know, if I was in like a foxhole, I'm sure you've heard foxhole prayers, like bombs are blown up around you and you're an atheist, you're probably going to be praying to something like get to get me out of this situation, you know, all of a sudden you're, you know, you're a diehard Christian. Yeah. Bombs are going off around you. Uh, but like... You know, even at, at one point I had like four and a half years or four years of sobriety and I was like a centimeter from from relapsing and I didn't because of this experience that I had and it was like a divine God thing and I just didn't use and uh, I, I realized like, wow, this actually works, you know, and I haven't felt as strong since. But as far as like the un- unmanageability part, you know, I was like... L- Locked in a motel, like shooting cocaine and heroin, and I just, I just had enough. Like I couldn't do it, and then like I overdosed. It was my third overdose. I woke up in the hospital, uh, super dope sick. I Got high one more time because I had to before I went to, to detox. You know, just as any, any real addict would, (laughs) rip the IV out of their arms and go get high. Uh, That's what I did. But I went to detox that night, and I just, I was just done, man. Like I was just, I just couldn't do it anymore. Like there was. I was shooting cocaine for weeks on end and heroin just cuz I had to otherwise I'd be sick and I was just in a psychosis like not like I just couldn't get out of this like hallucination psychosis uh fog and like I just had enough like. and you know I just I couldn't I looked down at my arms and just see like track marks like up and down every vein is covered. And, you know, I'm like, all right, my life is unmanageable. Yeah, (laughs) I need to go to detox. And that was my 10th uh, detox and rehab. I went to rehab quite a few times. Um, Psych wards, homeless shelters. I've been homeless. I panhandled. You know, I was arrested eight times because of drugs and alcohol. I was facing 25 to life uh, in Florida, actually. Uh, I beat the case. Uh, so yeah, like all the facility, I've been in like 28 or something facilities because of my drugs and alcohol use. And, um, I finally just came to the point where I was like, all right, this doesn't work. I don't like just take a, you know, a bump of cocaine or as it comes to like food, I don't just like have one, you know, when I ate ice, like I ate, like I I was obese at one point too. Really? Yeah. Um, yeah. I would eat like I would buy was three pints of ice cream. After you got sober,
1: was this part yeah, of sober? Yeah, I would writing?
2: go. I got sober and like I just I would yo-yo my weight. I would cut weight for a fight and then I would just blow up to like two hundred something pounds. Yeah. And you know I'm, a, I'm like five eight, like two hundred pounds on me is like two hundred ten pounds on me. I'm you know I'm obese. I'm thirty 30, 40 pounds overweight. Yeah. Um, I wasn't four hundred pounds, but I was a, you know I would I had I would eat three pints of ice cream. I would eat. You know, like in, in in the same in one sitting. Like I so I know what it's like to interchange, you know, my addiction for food yeah. or f- for sex yeah. or for, you know, anything for that matter. Um, but yeah, so for me, I just had to separate from the street. I couldn't keep sticking a needle in my arm anymore. I just had enough multiple overdoses, and you know, I realized like, all right. I gotta stop doing this, and then that's when I started working on myself. Is it daily work? Yes, for me, like I gotta do something every day to to stay on track.
1: I I do too, and I um, it was something that I never, uh, for for the longest time, with both food and and substances, I I wanted I wanted to get fixed. I really wanted to be um, I wanted so badly to be normal, and I wanted to um. you know, I, I just wanted this problem. Like if, 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 if I was, if I was abstinent, then I was fixed. Right. If, if I was, um, if I lost X number of pounds, then I was fixed. Like these are the problems. And it wasn't really until I started looking at like, if I want to have any kind of a life. Like if I can think about the life that I want, it's gonna require daily work. And that that was really hard thing for me to to to, to take into consideration because like I, I don't want you know what I mean? I don't yeah, want to realize think, that I'm you feel broken. like you just
2: need to meet a deadline. Yeah. That's how it was for me too. Yeah. I would literally be like, all right, when I get a year sober, I'm gonna
1: I'm done. I'm gonna celebrate. Yeah.
2: <laughs> right. And there's only one stop again. Yeah. But every time I picked up it was Right back to it. Like, if I – like, right now I'm in fight camp. You know, I'm, like, dieting and stuff. If I go eat a slice of pizza right now – Game over. I'm screwed for, like, the next – at least for the whole day. I'm going to – because then I tell myself, well, I already ate, like, shit. I might as well keep eating, like, shit today. Yeah. And then, like, the next morning I'm, like – like, I'm craving. Yeah. I'm craving sugar or or carbs. (laughs) This is my, you know –
1: any issue I would take with, um, a lot of the, uh, the solutions that are kind of offered up by society or popular, you know, rehab is generally a 28 or 30 day thing. And then you're mostly just done and diets are also seem to be sold in these monthly cycles. You know, the, the fad diets, it's like, do this for 30 days or, or, you know, maybe not all of them, but it may be a block of thirty days. Do three blocks of thirty days if you have X amount of pounds to lose, or just change this one thing. You know what I mean? Just get rid. You know, if you just don't drink alcohol, you're not an alcoholic, right? right? right. Or if you no. just quit eating carbs, you will. It's the, all your yeah. problems will be solved, and that never. I tried it all of those things multiple times, never worked. No, I
2: think if you're a true addict in any sense of the word, then that's never going to work for you. Like, I, I spoke to someone the other day, and and they were, oh, I've been doing coke every day. I can't stop doing coke. I go, I get off of work, and I just sniff blow all night. And he's like, but, you know, I'm really consistent with jiu-jitsu, and, you know, like, I think uh, jiu-jitsu can, like, help me stop. And I'm like, dude, jiu-jitsu is not going to help you stop sniffing coke. <laughs> right? <laughs> It hasn't like, yet. You need to like change everything in your life, like all of your, everything you do needs to change. Like you need to have like a a spiritual experience or like epiphany where like everything in your life has changed, and um, you know I see people all the time they try to use like their like money like, or you know whatever their career or. You know, like I need this. Like if I can get this, then I'll be happy. Like, right. And you know, I experience a lot of that even in sobriety. Like, you know, if I just get this car, like, like I'm make be, me I'll be feel happy. better. Yeah, <laughs> I buy a car, and then a week later, I feel like I feel like shit again. Yeah, I hate this car. You know, it's like buying a new pair of shoes. Like everyone that comes around, you're like, yo, don't step in my shoes. And then like two weeks later, you're like, yo, fuck these shoes. I need a new. I need new sneakers. And I've realized like nothing external makes me happy at all. I don't yeah it might like give me like some joy like the like uh just for an example the car that I bought like You have a cool car. It's a, I love my it's car. A cool car. I wake up in the morning and I'm still excited to get in it right. and like feel the engine and but it's a burden on my life. Right. It's a shiny burden. It's a shiny beautiful burden. I do love it, but it's a shiny burden on my life, man. Like I don't need that car. Yeah. And it didn't give me any fulfillment whatsoever like Every time I'm like, oh, I need to make more money. And I finally make that money and I get to like, oh, like I have never seen this much money in my bank account. A day later, I'm like, I hate my life. Right. You know, and I've realized like the only thing that gives me a true fulfillment is like helping people. Yeah. And like, um you know, like really changing those things that keep like that will, you know, that give me that daily reprieve from drinking or eating or. You know, like, or, or like, keep me on, like, when I go through a fight camp, like, I really need to work my, like, mentally hard on not cheating on my diet. Right. You know? I'm like, this is, like, this is harder than stopping heroin sometimes, like, because it's food. Like yeah. It's in my fridge. It's not illegal. It's right there. And, and by the way,
1: yeah, <laughs> food is fucking tough. You have to eat. You have to eat. You can't just stop eating. Yeah,
2: and it's like... I think it takes a really strong person that has their shit in order to like really like stay on like, so for you, like you can't just die for a year and then say, all right, I'm good. Cause she'll go back to where you were. Yeah. I spent 20 so years. Doing it's that. like, it's the same thing as your, your addiction. Like you can't just say, oh, I'm going to drink in a year from now. Cause then you'll just go back to using like that. Yeah. And it's like, it, you need to change everything in your life to, to get to the point where you could like really control yourself for most of the time, especially when like obviously drugs, you can't do drugs and alcohol at once, but food like, yeah, you could indulge a little bit, but you need to have the willpower not to keep indulging. And, um, I think it takes a special person to like truly adhere to all of those principles. It's like super tough.
1: It, it, it is super tough. I, th- if uh, I, You know, I don't want to demonize any food. I also don't really want to demonize drugs. I don't think that this inanimate object is the problem. I think the problem is me because I know uh, my wife drinks alcohol and not once has it ever been a problem for her. So I I can't sit and judge her and go like, well, alcohol is the issue. There's no issue. Um, I, I, with food, I I can't say like, if I, if I laid out all of my perfect, like, here's how, here's how I eat the majority of the time. This is true. I can say that this is how I eat the majority of this, this is very, very strict in the past five years. There have been points where I'm like, you know, my kids want to make Christmas dinner and they want me to participate. They don't want me eating turkey breast on, on Christmas dinner. And they don't totally understand what I was like before they existed, so they don't they don't know what the risks are necessarily. But also, I want to celebrate Christmas dinner with them, and so it just takes a lot more work the next day because you can string together those days of rationalizing this path. Yeah, um, and it also did take me quite a few years to get to where I felt comfortable because I would... Similarly to drugs and alcohol, almost wake up a month later going like, wait, what's happened? I've gained 40 pounds. I wasn't even thinking, you know. And
2: that's happened to me. Like, um, you know, but obviously with food, you need to have like a healthy relationship. Yeah. Because if you just stay strict forever, eventually you're going to fold. Yeah. Like, so I think it's healthy to obviously, you know, have the little you know, uh, indulgence with food. And then I think it makes you stronger when you can, you know, enjoy yourself and then go back to what you were doing for the next six or seven days and then maybe enjoy yourself again. Like, yeah. if you can, you know, f- for most of the month, control yourself with food, then then you should be good for, you know, but... Uh, uh, I try to
1: set hard, fast rules that are, like, unbreak, like, that are... That would be, in my mind, tantamount to to using drugs or alcohol, such as, like, sneaking food. I can't do that. No. I can <laughs> never do that. Like, if, if I'm going to eat something that's off my plan, my whole family gets to that's know about it. Yeah. I, I will not be in the pantry, like, trying right. to knock it down. It will not be, like, hitting a drive through at 3 a.m. while everybody's asleep. Like, these are unbreakable. Yeah. This is something, like, I know if I do that, I'm fucked. Yeah. Um, one of the things you you talk about, which I think so highly of, is that you have to give it away to keep it. Can yeah. we talk about that?
2: Sure. Um, I was taught early on, like, or I heard early on in you know meetings and from from people that you got to you know give it away in order to keep it. And I think that goes with everything. Like, um, so you know, I had a had a guy Tommy who became my sponsor, my AA sponsor. And, uh, you know, he freely gave me the tools that I needed to get sober. You know, he gave me certain suggestions. He told me to do this, this, and this. And if I did it, then I'd probably have a good chance at staying sober. And I did it, and it worked. And um, so now, you know, and he told me, like, now the 12th step is, you know, carry the message to other alcoholics or in, in any other addicts. Uh, and I think that's what goes in everything in life, man. Like even as a fighter, like people ask me questions in the gym. Yeah. I'm going to help them like the younger guys or I see that people need help. Like I will go out of my way to, to help them. But in order for me, not only am I helping you, but I'm helping me. Like when I help another alcoholic or addict, I, I see the pain that they're going through or what they're dealing with. You know, they tell me their story and or what's happened in the last couple of days or weeks, and I'm like, you know, it it keeps me it keeps everything up front for me. Um, so it's like I see that, and I'm like, oh, I never want to. Thank God that's not me anymore. Yeah. And you know, yeah, like I'm helping you by giving you suggestions and telling you what I think you should do or what I know worked for me, and. But by seeing what you're going through, I'm like, ugh. Oh. You know, so it's like it's a win-win for both of us. Yeah, you know, it keeps me sober, and just helping people makes me feel good. That is what gives me lasting fulfillment and peace and like serenity in my soul. Like I feel it. People will message me later on, like, oh, after talking to you, I'm, I'm sober. I've been sober for six months. Thank you so much for your help. You don't know how many people you're helping, and that's what gives me true fulfillment um and then you're getting help also so you got to keep it to give it away it's just it's as simple as it sounds you know and and it goes for everything in life somebody asked me for money like uh someone yesterday messaged me and i thought it was like a hoax like hey i need this i need 95 dollars like for my son, something about his son's football team or something like that, Some, <coughs> one of his kids' teams. And I was like, I don't believe you, but I'll give it to you right. just because I can. And Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved
0: for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you.
3: For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com
1: or call 877-351-0300.
0: Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.
2: Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently.
0: Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago... Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.
2: That's what apparently you're supposed to do help each other, right? Help <laughs> your fellow uh, brother and sister. Um, so I was like, whatever, man take it. It'll come back to me. Eventually money comes and goes. I don't care. I don't want to be selfish anyways. And, or I don't know if you'd call that selfish, but, um, so yeah, man, I just feel like if I can, I will, you know? Yeah. And if it's going to help me, then that's what I got to do. You know, uh, I don't ever want to go back to like the life that I was living. It was absolutely terrible, you know? And so I'll do whatever it takes.
1: (laughs) Do you ever get, um, frustrated if somebody asks for help and like in the midst of helping them they start throwing their ideas on what they need to do that are like
2: maybe not ideal well you know what i mean yeah yeah sometimes people will be like like i said about the the guy that was saying jujitsu what's gonna get him sober uh when people do mention there i'm like yeah you could try it tell me how Tell me how that works for you. Yeah. You know? Like, I have friends. Like, my friends are the best. Like, close friends that are struggling. Like, I I have no... I just tell it how it is. Right. I'm like, bro, you know what you got to do. I told you what you have to do. You've been through this before, but keep doing it your way. And tell me... And call me in a week, and we'll see how it works out. (laughs) You know? Like, strangers, I'm kind of a little nicer about it. But I'll tell them, like, nah, I don't think that's a good idea. Maybe you should, like, try this. You know? Because, uh... You've been doing it this way, your way, this whole time. Yeah. And look where you are.
1: Well, you know, you know? I, I completely agree with you. Yeah. And yet, and I see that in myself. Like, this is m- m- utterly my experience also. And yet, I did that. That was my oh, cycle yeah. for decades. That's why it's funny you to know? laugh
2: at it. Yeah. laugh at it. I'm like, huh.
1: I've been right, there. Bro. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Keep telling yourself that. Maybe it'll work for like a week. Right. And then you break, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember listening to your the, that podcast you sent me that you did. What was that on again? It was like four stories on one podcast. One was your story. Yes, I forget <laughs> what that was, but yeah, yeah, and it was it was great, man. And uh, yeah, I, I, you spoke about how like you know you would you'd be in and out, you know, and uh, but like I could hear the pain, man, yeah. in your voice. And one of the stories you told about being in the, the bathroom stall. You were on set and you uh, soiled your pants or something. And and I was like, I almost like, I was like tearing up, dude, because I know that pain. Let me tell you something. That has nothing to do with being overweight. Because that happened to me in a construction stall. I just couldn't hold it in because I was so dope sick, and yeah. I went in my pants. Like, yeah. And it was embarrassing. Like, and I'm in this middle of Manhattan in a construction porter potty, and I was not close to home. Yeah. At least you had someone to help you. Right. <laughs> construction workers were just laughing at me. Yeah. Uh, so I know what that's like, and I feel that pain, man. Yeah. Yeah, man, sometimes I just rant when I think about my addiction and, like, the whole journey. Yeah. It just feels like forever, like, ago at times. Sometimes it feels like it was yesterday, but it's crazy to think about. And then, like, you know, when I talk to people about it, like, I just want to, like, shake them, you know? Yeah. Stop this. Right. (laughs) You can do this, you know. It, it it
1: is so. It becomes so frustrating, and yet, and and then I think back to like the old timey guys who have been, who have you know been doing this for forty years, and how like there's this one guy, and I, I've come into contact with him a number of times before I like actually went like, oh, I understand a lot of the things he's been saying right. to me. You know yeah. what I mean? But he kept saying them to me with no judgment, mm-hmm. and. And like saving me a seat and stuff like that. And like, and then there was a day where I was like, that motherfucker was right the whole time. Oh, God, you know? I
2: have that. Old, I have a, I have a friend who's 45 years sober. Yeah. So he got sober in AA as a heroin addict when he was 21 in the eighties. Right. And, uh, man, sometimes he says shit and I'm like, wow, <laughs> are you Gandhi or something. Like, right. are you Jesus in there? Yeah. Like, it's just so magical and like. Just sounds so intellectual and or sometimes he'll say stuff and I'm like, wow, I feel like an idiot. You know, and then but yeah, I've had that moment where I'm like, that's what they meant. Yeah. And it sounds so cliche at times. And like and then man, I truly believe that like those meetings and that book, like the big book, was like given by God, like some higher power, like they put that in they put that here for us for all these struggling humans, like that book, I feel like could be used for everyone. Like those principles and those, those steps, like that could be used for weight loss. That could be used for like any, everyone should read that book Yeah, and just, it's a great book. Just replace the alcohol with whatever you're dealing with depression or food, whatever it is, man. And it's like. When I first read it, I was like, what the fuck are these people talking about? Like, when I first went to a meeting, I was like, what is this? Like, <laughs> right. This is fucking nonsense. And But, like, the seed was planted, you know? And, like, now looking back at it, like, I've been in and out of the rooms for over a decade. You know, I got sober, you know, later on. Uh, but when I look back at it all, I'm like, wow, so smart. Like, they really know. They, I, they say that the big book is... Second most published book after the Bible,
1: right? Which is incredible. Yeah. That's like
2: it's astronomical a lot of numbers. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: it's a lot of books. But
2: yeah, man. And you know, I never knew. I didn't know you were sober. I knew, you know, I knew that you got skinny. And then when I found out you were sober, I was like, holy shit! It makes it all makes sense. No wonder he was like that.
1: But you, you know, what? even that though, dude. I I got sober, and I still spent. 15 years, not applying, not trying desperately to find some solution that would solve me. You know what I mean? That, that would make me normal in that regard. I didn't apply the principles to food for a long time. Really what it was, was my not wanting another thing I had to work at daily, you know, and, and, and. I, f- I find that that resistance to be so silly because once I kind of went like, oh,
2: it's that also? It's so simple. So was it for for you? Like, was it also... I mean, obviously your health was in jeopardy too. like yeah. That has been a driving reason for why you decided to change that well, also, right? I decided to change
1: initially. I wasn't even thinking about it. I was fairly newly sober and I was seeing this girl and um and i just was like oh shit this like fairy tale life of me getting married having kids that this would be, this is the girl of my dreams like i could do that with her and when i'm flashing forward in my life i'm going like there's an awful lot i'm resisting doing with her right now simply because i'm too big mm-hmm. like she loved to go to the beach I- i'll just Uh, you know, say I'm busy that day, you go to the beach. She loved to go hiking. Well, I'm not doing that. She loved to go to museums. Like there was like a huge list of shit that I was avoiding doing with her. Um, and I was like, how long is she going to hang out with me if I'm not doing most of the shit, which, and, and like in fairness, I didn't really, I wasn't I didn't know what it would be like to do any of those things because I just didn't really do them. You you know what I mean? So I was like, do I really hate museums? I I don't know. I just don't go because it's a lot of walking. Do I hate the beach? The beach makes me uncomfortable. I don't like people looking at me. I don't like being, uh, yeah, like all that. Like, okay, but do I like being in the ocean and being on the beach? That I like. I remember from being a kid that that's enjoyable. So it was really there that I was like, ah, I have a reason to change. And then even that, it was like, um, so I'll just lose weight and then I'll be fine. And I just did that for a long time. A lot of cycling the weight on and off and on and off and going like, why am I failing at this? Why can't I figure this out? And then one day I was like, well, I've never figured out. Sobriety. Right. This is still something that is that I put effort into every single day. And I'm that seems to be the path that I'm on. Why not apply that to weight also? And then it all clicked. But it was it just was like um, not
2: really wanting to confront the work. So how how long ago did you start the weight loss journey? Two thousand and two. She got sober in two thousand two. Also two thousand one. Two
1: thousand one.
2: So how long did it take for you to like really get that like a like?
1: Did did you stumble a lot at first? I stumbled a lot. I I did a liquid diet for <laughs> sixty days. And right off the bat. R- first thing, that lost was eighty good pounds. It was awesome. Lost eighty pounds, and then I was like, shit. I'm hungry. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> then I went to work, gained weight. Mm-hmm. um... Then Resets, I, yeah, I, everything. I've done every diet, the blood type diet and keto and Atkins. So and you
2: did the yo-yoing for a lot of years, many years of yo-yo. So like, when was it that you have stayed in a good zone for a period of time? Like how long, how long ago was
1: that? 2016 was, so it was a long
2: time. It's I've been yeah. doing,
1: I've been uh, really, I like, I guess I started my last real diet 2016 and okay. when I got to this weight I've maintained it since then so
2: it's basically just been like uh a balance for you yeah since then yeah like realizing like all right like I can do this I just have to balance it yeah all right. and and you know
1: like there's real effort put into maintaining my weight it's not
2: there's it's the same for me man yeah there's it really is.
1: there's no the 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 days where I go like it's Christmas Day and my kids want to make fucking Pillsbury Crescent Rolls and wrap cheese and bacon in them and bake them and it's amazing. Ma- amazing. So that's today. There's never been that day where it's like I'm taking the day off, quote unquote, where I, I don't wind up gaining weight. Not not happened. And. And even those days, I've gone like, I'm going to make trade-offs here, right? If if I'm going to uh, have anything like that, maybe I'm going to only eat protein for the first half of the day. Right. And, and so that's gotten better. It's kind of yeah. mellowed it out because I could put on 15 pounds in yeah. a bad day.
2: Literally, I fight. So I mean, obviously, we yo-yo and weight as fighters also and- I'll be 155, and then, you know, by the next day, I'm back to my normal walk-around rate of 170-something, 173, 174 by the time I fight. Right. But if I don't watch out, in two weeks, I'm 195. Yeah. And I'm, like, not looking good. Like, what happened to you? That was two weeks ago. Yeah. And uh, it's just like that. One day, I get on the scale in the morning, the next day I get on the scale, I'm seven pounds heavier. And then I do that for three weeks straight. And now I'm 200 pounds. Yeah, and it's like weight that's it's not water weight anymore. It's like real yeah. weight that I put on. And I struggle with him, and I miss weight twice fighting, embarrassing. And it's all, it's because I've yo-yoed in between camps and got up to man. When I went into treatment, I was like 158 pounds of bones and skin. Wow! I got out and I was like 215. Wow. Of just bones and fat. Right. Like there were I wasn't like 190 pounds of muscle with you know, 25 pounds of fat on me also. I was, like, just a... You was put just, on 50 pounds of fat. Yeah, I was just fat with bones in, underneath it all. Yeah. And, like, I struggled, man. Yeah. I struggled. And then, as, like, I would do the same thing. I would lose the weight, and then I would, for three weeks, I would be eating crap at every meal. And it's, like, you know, even now, like, even when I'm not in fight camp, like, I can't go a whole day and eat, like, crap. Yeah, and then I can't stop myself, and I'm like, you know, my wife is like Jared, like, how much more can you eat? And I'm like, oh, I didn't really eat that, you know, I'm trying to (laughs) rationalize it, and I'm, and then I'm like, and then I don't want to get on the scale, yeah, I won't get on the scale for weeks, and then I finally do, and I'm like, oh, look what I did, I did it again, like, yeah, but, man, it's like uh, everything in life. I had the same, you know. Before I was married, like, I did it with sex, too. Yeah. And then, like, I was disgusted with myself because it was, like, a new girl. Like, every, you know, I'll go on Tinder and, like, anything that wants to meet up with me, I would meet up with. Yeah. You know? And, like, they weren't all, like, tense. <laughs> <laughs> right. They were far less than that, you know? And, like, so I interchange everything, man. And, like, I did it with exercise, too. Yeah. I'm addicted to exercise. Yeah. I can't stop exercising.
1: I did. There was a, there was one time i think 2010 and 11 where i just rode a bicycle for 8 hours a day that's all i did 6 days a week and on the 7th day i would take an easy day and that would be this bicycle race that lasted like 2 hours jeez and that was my day off you i would literally still ride 8 my bike. hours eight, literally like outside 400 miles a week i averaged on my bike jesus yeah you still bike not at all Cigarette? not at all yeah and i i, I I had a bad crash. I wound up uh-huh. in the hospital. And then there was something about it that, you know, there's some Zen experience while you're pedaling and you're and and you get into this rhythm. And it's like, I could just do this forever. And that also was unhealthy.
2: unhealthy. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Eight hours a day sounds unhealthy. Yeah. And yeah, I know that's like where it's like, I can't stop. Exercise. I got to exercise. Like, I'm not going to eat. I'm just going to exercise. <laughs> right. And then it's like, now you're being uh, insane. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. No,
1: I, I have to find a balance with that. Now it's like, I want to exercise every day, but I want an, an hour total to do cardio and weights. Right. You know what I mean? And that's the
2: best way to do it, That's man. it.
1: Yeah. It doesn't have to be... And there are definitely days where if my shirt's not dripping with sweat, which is quite often, I kind of go like, I, mean, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't work that's hard enough. That's how I feel. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. I'm not like my underwear is not soaked <laughs> i did not work out good so wait i got to ask you how did you get into heroin just like i hollywood shit yeah. or just earlier than that i was i was
1: i had had a surgery and i was given vicodin and
2: good old vicodin yeah
1: and then i i was given like i when they ran out the doctor was i was like i'm still in terrible pain i wasn't and i got another prescription for vicodin and then there was a uh a bakery downtown LA that um, sold Vicodin, Mexican Vicodin for oh, wow. a dollar a pill. So a I bakery. bought them out. Yep. Really? It was wonderful. But all their like every vi And I was wow. going back there. And then when they were out, I wish
2: I knew that bakery. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, it was called the Pandaria. Um, and then uh, there was no Vicodin. And, and I think I've, went to Percocet and then yeah, I think, like for me. I think Oxycontin, OxyContin might have existed, but then you could also just get straight up Oxycodone, which was like not time released. Ah, oh, so good. Yeah. Unfortunately. And uh and then it was and like this is a pain this is too this it's is too, too much trouble. The guy down yeah. the street's got heroin to you, go you were banging I, it? I, I did that towards the end. But okay. I, I spent a lot it. of time smoking it and sniffing oh, okay. it Yeah. Or
2: California right black tar yeah. heroin
1: yeah. Yeah.
2: And then, like, were you hiding it on movie sets? No, yeah. You had to, right? And there were times,
1: like, that story I yeah. told on that podcast where, like, there's just a fucking drought. And, right, like, right. what oh, do you do? There's no, nobody's got anything. I and know you're what that's sick. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, the good old days. The good old days. Man.
2: Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It was, it was. That's how it happened with me. I hurt my neck training. Yeah. My friend was like, oh, you want a Vicodin? All right. The next week, I was like, my neck didn't really hurt anymore. I was like, got any more Vicodin? Yeah. Yeah, all right, all right, let me get five of them. And then all of a sudden I'm eating 40 Vicodin yeah. and Oxycontin and then morphine. I did every pink. I did morphine, Oxycontin, Opanas, everything. Yeah. And then heroin, obviously. And then I started shooting cocaine and I was just like, hmm,
3: this I really is... love
2: shooting cocaine. <laughs> right. And I just did heroin because I had to. Yeah. I loved heroin too, but... My drug of choice became IV crack or cocaine. Really? Yeah, I loved shooting crack. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you ever smoked crack or shot crack, but it's quite. Yeah, it's quite. You gotta melt
1: it with vinegar, lemon juice. Yeah,
2: yeah. I did a lot of man. I've had some embarrassing moments too, man. Yeah. Some serious embarrassing moments.
1: I, I years was probably more recent than mine, but like fentanyl existed when I was doing drugs, but it was only in patches. Like yeah. you'd have to or like
2: lollipops. Yeah, lollipops. Those are good. You so. couldn't
1: really get it out of the lollipop, but you no, could no, get it out of the patch.
2: Eat, a, eat them though. Yeah. But yeah, the patch you take the the gel out, yeah. smoke it or shoot it. I know people are like, shoot it. I or yeah. Eat it.
1: I cannot imagine people that are just
2: buying them. I think I I like just missed the whole fentanyl thing. Right. Because I was doing real heroin. Uh, I can remember the taste. But now people are just... Yeah, it's in all the drugs and people are like, oh, I got heroin, but it's really fentanyl. But now they know it's fentanyl, so they're like, let me just get fentanyl. Right. So they're just... And they just buy it as fentanyl. It's not even like a hidden thing anymore.
1: Right. That's crazy. So, and no,
2: I don't think heroin... I mean, heroin's around still, but like... It's for all these drug dealers, and
1: it's, there's more they, profit in fentanyl. Well,
2: yeah, it's cheaper, it's more readily available. You don't have to like get it from Mexico or Afghanistan, right? <laughs> you just get it right from a lab. It's you know, crazy. it's an yeah, it's really scary, and and like you have like I hear like stories of like kids in middle school doing fentanyl, and they know that's what like they're they call it fetti, intentionally doing like intentionally fentanyl. like I'm gonna go buy like I'm know I'm buying fentanyl, and not. I couldn't, like, all right, I was young doing drugs, but, like, I didn't know anyone that did heroin when I was in middle school. Yeah. You know, and only until later on. But, uh, yeah, it's insane, dude. And, like, they're dying left and right. No one talks about it. No. Because, like, you know, the war on drugs will... It's here on purpose, like right. There's no war on drugs, really. It's really just like, well, that I mean,
1: that's know. the other thing. The 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 solutions pre- presented by the states, d- d- by the state, it doesn't ever really seem to solve anything.
2: No, no, no. no. And like, I don't think it will. Ne- obviously, drugs will never go away, but I think that it's really just up to the individual. Like, you need to have like like a moment like you and me had where it's like, all right, I've yeah, got enough of this, you know? Yeah. But um,
1: but I also think I, I completely agree. I, I 100%, like I've had a, a number of people go like, can you please talk to my brother? Can you please talk to my oh, son? Yeah. And I'm like, look, I'm happy to talk to anyone. I'm not going in to tell them what to do. And I have no, um, nothing invested in the idea that I say something and he goes oh, my God, you're right, I'm, I'm going to change, right? Because right? I've had too many failures. Like, convince my son to get on a diet. No, I have, I can't, I'm not going to do can't that. Can't convince him anyway. Yeah, said, I, have yeah. No, I have no interest. In, convince right. my son to stop taking drugs. Again, no, that's on him. I can tell him how I've led my life for the last right. 20 years, but that's all I can tell him. Yeah, um,
2: parents seem to be very, uh, especially like people that haven't gone through this or no. You know, haven't really been affected, but they're very blind and naive about, like, why can't they just stop? Yeah. And I'm like, well, let me shoot you with heroin for two years and just tell you to stop. Yeah. But, yeah, it's – um, when I speak to people, I kind of just, like, float the idea around. I'm like, so – you good man, like. Right. Where you going? I heard you're kind of dealing with something right now. Yeah. Like I try not to be too like, uh like abrasive about it, and, sure. like too like hard on them, because that just scares them away, you know. And some people, some people are super open, like they're like, a yeah, caveman. I'm like shooting heroin, I can't stop. Right. <laughs> some people are like, Nah, I don't know what you're talking. You know, they're like, they deny, they're in denial. Yeah. Um But <sighs> I feel like you know, like why, like. When I when I first started fighting as, you know, a kid, I was I was 17 when I first started fighting as an amateur and I remember thinking like, man, I'm going to get rich and famous fighting. And I thought that's what it was all about and like I realized like I'm not here for that. I'm here to help people. Right. And like you know, as much as I want to be rich and famous and be like all these guys you see like Conor McGregor and, you know all the big biggest name fighters and you know as much as I get envious and jealous of like cause I'm human you know I do like I like I try to remember like I'm here I'm not here for that I am cause it's the way I make a living and it's my way to have a platform cause that's like how I reach people uh, but I'm here to like help people yeah. You know, and, like Yeah. what I believe is like God's work um, and I just you know if people want to get help they'll get help yeah. You know, I, and I think like it's all written anyways, so however the the cards fall, is how it's going to happen no matter what. And that's how it was going to happen. Uh so I think like you know, I try to throw things at people and see how they react and some people some people take it, man, and they go get help. I've helped a lot of people. And I think that anyone listening to this you know, if you're struggling, you can do it. Yeah. You know, like, if me and Ethan can do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Two junkies. Yeah. We shouldn't. <laughs> I shouldn't have been able to do it. No, no, no. I definitely, especially, like, I mean, like, your world, partying is, like, and same with fighting. This is what they do. Like, they, they fight and they party.
1: Yeah, you know, like, I think her- heroin was always taboo. Oh yeah, but yeah, there was nothing. Sure. There was nothing about you know if you were if you were just but o- drinking, obviously intoxicated. Cocaine, yeah, it, there was no big deal. Right, right. Be intoxicated. Be as yeah. intoxicated as you want. Don't uh, especially if
2: it makes you better at at acting. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Are people on set like on drugs? Yeah, I'm sure. Right. I know musicians are not. There's not. The, the, I
1: wasted the, right. There wasn't a huge amount of open drug use. Okay, but um, you know when I there were definitely there was definitely a movie where I was nodding off too much and was encouraged to get some cocaine.
2: They were like, "All right, like, you gotta fucking wake up." Yeah,
1: <laughs> that definitely happened.
2: Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. yeah, that's great. But
1: it wasn't. It wasn't. uh It wasn't so explicit. Yeah, and I
2: Uh, I hope you don't mind me asking. No, not at all. Not not at all. all. Some people don't like talking about that. You
1: know, I think us sharing this, if anybody can relate to any part of it and go like, you know, I see a a way out through what they've talked about. I think it's beneficial. You know, I do agree that you've got to
2: give it away to keep it. For sure. Did you, I'm just curious, did you use because like you wanted to just feel better about and like maybe your weight was part of it like you felt and or did you were there other reasons for why
1: no it was really um it was really the most uh, normal I felt or whatever I think of as
2: normal like drugs made you feel that way yeah you know?
1: they made me feel me too. they made me feel good uh, and and not good in how you go like oh yeah heroin feels so good yes there's that too but it also made me feel like I could talk to people and I had confidence so you and... felt
2: like yeah I had that too man yeah. like I just had like a even as a child before I started using it, I always felt like out of place like, I had, like, a disposition yeah, towards everything. Yeah. Like, I didn't... I wasn't an athlete as a young kid. Like, I never got picked for anything. And, like, now when I look back at this, it all is relates. Like, and then growing up, like, I always felt, like, in school, like, I didn't do well. I always felt weird. And it carried over as I got older because I started acting out. Yeah. You know, and then drugs came yeah. And then I think, like, you know, getting raped and camped didn't help. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that, that like, really, like, destroyed me. Um, it, it's just the most comfortable
1: I've ever felt uh, within yeah. my own skin.
2: Especially once I found opiates. Yeah. When I first took Vicodin, I was, like, I've done every drug, basically, up until that point, almost. But when I found opiates, I was, like, I, I feel amazing. Yeah. Like, I feel... Like, I was talkative. Yeah. I wanted to, like, love everyone. Right. I wanted to, like, be out. Yeah. It made me super social. I was so social. And then it was so, like you said before, like, once I got off of it, I was like, "Uh, what do I do now? Yeah. And, like, it was hard for me to, like, like, want to, like, feel that way without it yeah I didn't know how I was gonna feel that way for you what was it like when once you got clean like what made you feel okay to be like with people in social it took it took a
1: lot of time you know and 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 failures and and attempts oh. at getting sober and then going like um and and, and having, to, having to think about how uncomfortable I was prior to drugs and going like, okay, if I can get back to there, I'll be okay. Because I know what that is. I know that discomfort. And then when I couldn't even get back to that level of discomfort, it was just, you know, um, so much discomfort in my own skin and no sense of happiness at all about anything. You know... It was finally looking at other people who had gotten sober and them going, if you do work and you stick with it, you will be okay." And it was just kind of having faith in that, you know, and and going like nothing I've done has worked. I'm just going to I'm just going to kind of believe in you for a little while and then I and then it worked and then I was I was like and then it was like just a matter of working on my discomfort why am I so uncomfortable around people you know
2: so you did the steps and all that okay cool yeah yeah that's how it kind of just like over time happened you know like where I just like molded into that person that I wanted to be yeah or I thought that I wanted to be I don't know if this is who I even want to (laughs) be But I'm definitely happier now than I was. Right. Than I was then. So like, um, do you feel like it's in like it, like what you want to do is help people with like weight and sobriety stuff, or is that just kind of like no hundredth- comes along with?
1: I do for sure. I I I. That, this was another thing I didn't think about until just a couple few years ago when we started doing this. But like. You know, being accountable to somebody else is a big deal for me, mm-hmm. and so talking about it is is super beneficial. Um, you know, I mean, we basically just had a meeting here right now. Right, you know, and if I can do this weekly about food and 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 I, I get a lot of messages too about people. Um, listening to this show and, and thanking me and, 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 it, it, you know, all I can do is relate my story. That's really all I can do, you know? And, and, and I, you know, and I don't ever want to say like everything's perfect cause it's not, mm-hmm. it's work, it's constant work. And, but it is fucking a lot better. Oh, yeah.
2: You think when you get sober or like when you get fit looking that like, your whole, like, everything's going to be great. Right. And then you realize, like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing all the right things, but I... St- shit still goes wrong, you yeah. know? A lot of bad stuff has happened since I've been sober, and I'm like, why is this happening to yeah. me and around me? And I'm like, oh, this is life. Yeah. You know, and, like, it's, like, so weird when, like... I think back, like, when stuff used to happen, like, how I would react or what I would do, well, I could just do a little heroin or right, or I could solve this problem by doing something illegal or, and now I'm like, let's take a step back and do this in a healthy manner, you know? And, like, I think that's also what comes, like, those are the things that you learn and what makes you happier and, like... Gives you more, like instead of like being like, because when I was getting high, I would be up and down, up and down, up and down. Like I'm mad, I'm happy, I'm mad, I'm ha- or a, this is bad. Like life is bad, life is good. Now I'm just like so much more even keel. Yeah, where yeah, and I go up and down, but like I'm able to like uh, tame my emotions so much easier now. You know, and um, and that's what like all the like you said the work. Yeah, has just done for me, and just listening to other people. Like, every day I learn something. I'm, I don't like, I realize, like, wow, I'm pretty stupid still. I'm really stupid, <laughs> right? <laughs> or, yeah. not that I'm stupid, I just don't know much. Yeah, like, I know a lot about things that I know about, like that I, you know, like fighting and <laughs> and like sobriety. I don't know much else, man, right? Like, I don't know, that's it, that's all I got for you. Yeah, you want to learn how to fight or. Get sober. Like, I can help you there. Talk about that. Yeah. yeah, I don't really know. I don't know too much else. Like, like when I watch like Joe Rogan, he talks about all this stuff. I'm like, what is he talking about? (laughs) He knows a lot of shit, this guy, man. (laughs) Yeah. Bow hunting. Aliens. Aliens. Muscle cars. uh, Microplastics. Yeah. All these chemicals. Yeah. I'm like, how does he know all this? Right. He is older than me, but yeah. Like I, I, And then like, that's what also drives me. I'm like, I'm stupid. Like. I need to learn more stuff, like, and like that's uh, that's also what gives me happiness, and what keeps me from wanting to to use because like once I start using again, it stunts everything else, stunts yeah. my growth, like so. I like I'm like thrilled to learn, like I just I started like learning how to speak Russian. I don't, oh, know why cool. I, spoke, I don't know why I chose Russian, but I did. And like you know, I read a lot. I read a lot of self help books, and like, and I'm, it's what makes me thrive. Yeah. You know, like uh, I was so, I was so, I was in a bubble, you know, and I was, I was also very like arrogant and not, and like I thought I knew everything. And I didn't know shit. Yeah. You know, and like that's where I'm at now, and like. Uh, you know, just working on, like, my character defects still. That's another thing. Yeah. Like, just, like, little things. Like, judging. It could be anything. Judge, being judgmental or, um. you know, like, driving down the street and I see a hot girl. And, like, when I was younger, I used to, like, stick my head out the window and be like, yo, what's up? Right. And you know, she'd be like, fuck you. And I would laugh. And, like... Not even, like, trying to not even doing it in my own head, too. Like, put a girl up and down. That's, like, really cringy. Yeah. Or, like, really, like, class. It's not, like, classy at all. like. (laughs) Yeah. And it, like, just, or, you know, like, anything. Anything like that.
1: Don't you think a lot of the behaviors are born in our heads? And so then. Yeah. And I think they're
2: learned, too. Yeah. You know, when you're young, like, I feel like. I have a I have a nephew. It's my sister-in-law's son. He's 5 years old. The kid is brilliant. He speaks Spanish fluently. He lives in he grew up in Manhattan, he lives in Connecticut now. And like he says stuff and I'm like what is he talking about? Right. Wow. How is he so He's 5 years old. Kid's brilliant and I'm like And then I'm like, my parents were assholes. (laughs) (laughs) They fucked me up, man. Yeah. And like, I realized like, wow, like I really came up in a way that was terrible in certain aspects. And like, I, I, like I, I look at this kid and I'm like, this kid's going to be a rocket scientist or, or like, he's going to change the world. He's five years old and like, he speaks like an adult, like. Like my, my mother-in-law cursed and she was like, and he literally said to me, he goes, Mima is very inappropriate. Right. And I was like, what? Did you say inappropriate? (laughs) Like, just like the way he, and I'm like, this isn't, and like, I look at life and I'm like, wow, I'm so, I feel like I'm so far behind still because of what I did, you know? And like how I lived, like, and like now I'm just like, I'm on like a quest, like for bettering myself. I want to be as the best that I can be every day, and like all I want to do is like share my knowledge, and it's very limited. <laughs> but if I can help someone, like I really feel like that's where my value is. Like, you know, I think that that's why I'm. Like I said before, that's why I'm, I've been put here, and I feel like your story too, man. Like that's why you're here. Like part of the reason for why a hundred percent you're a great artist and you're a great, you're a great actor or you are a great actor. and um. But like, what do you feel is your real purpose? To help people. Yeah. yeah. It's weird, right? Yeah. I used to be so selfish. It's all about Jared, Jared, Jared. Right. Fuck everyone else. I, you know,
1: I still think of it as selfish. For, I'm not telling, telling you you're selfish, but I think I selfishly am going to derive joy out of helping somebody I'm going to you know that. what I mean I'm going to I'm going to help myself it keeps me on the straight and narrow and so all these things it's like I'm selfish this is the best this is the best I feel I'm going to fucking right. be selfish I'm going to feel right.
2: good and then it's like if this is what being selfish is then then that's what I'll do if it's helping other people yeah you know but I I heard something today uh like we're always trying to as human beings we're like our basic instinct is just to survive. Right. So like we're always like trying to figure out like what's the best thing for us and what we have to do to get to the next point. So like unconsciously we're like trying to figure things out and like we're like, oh I need this. I gotta buy that. Like uh like I gotta do like I have to do this. Otherwise, if I don't do this, then this isn't gonna happen. And like, I I think it's it's just so natural for us to be that way. Yeah, and I think that's why we become drug addicts and and food addicts because it's like we just want to feel better. And it's like it's just our basic instinct to survive. Right? Well, I, I think even <laughs> on a
1: very literal level, whatever those bursts of dopamine are. However they were developed, if it started because, like, we needed an incentive to go out and hunt, right, or we needed an incentive to procreate or whatever it was, that sense of well-being that was caused by some action on our part, now we're not doing that. And so we're getting that sense of well-being from somewhere else. And, and I think, you know, like, the human body's pretty dumb. Oh, yeah. the, the human body just wants to survive. If the human body thinks there's the potential for it to starve to death, then it's just going to store fat as much as it can. And then, and then we go like, it's surviving, right. right? This is how it's surviving. It's surviving through drug use because the body feels better,
2: right? Yeah, it's like we act out like because we're not doing those primitive, yeah, things anymore. I wouldn't even. I couldn't even imagine that. Like, oh, we got to get up and hunt today to eat. And then, like, you're not, you're so preoccupied that it's like, that's all you do. Yeah. But yeah, it makes sense, man. And, and like, I feel like, uh, I didn't, I also feel like it, it was just like I didn't know any better, like, as a kid. When yeah. I was like, when I first started smoking pot and using, I'm like, all right, this is fun. And then it came to a point where I was like, I, I feel like I really have to do this. Like, like I got to, like, oh, I need to smoke so bad. Like, when I was just smoking pot, like, oh, I need to smoke so bad. And I was like, that was the only thing giving me joy. Yeah. You know? And such a young age, like, I think it could be like, uh, you know, like in school, like the DARE programs and like, what was who was it, Reagan? Like, just say no. Yeah. Anti Reagan, right? Yeah. Like, I think none of that works. Right, I think that's all. If anything, that made me say like, "I'm going to try fuck this." Fuck that! I'm going to get high. Like, yeah, where do why? Like, you want to tell me not to do something? I'm going to go do it. I think like, as a country, first of all, there's 330 something million people in our country. It's like impossible to control everyone. Like, it's we're not cohesive at all. Like all the different people in our country, different you know races and ethnicities and creeds and you know, this and that, and, like, we're not cohesive as a country, so, like, I don't think any social program would really work here, but, like, you see other countries, like, they're just brought up so differently, like, a small country, like, uh like, New Zealand or, you know, Australia, like, they have, like, so much, they have, like, you know, these, or, like, Norway. Yeah. Or Sweden or something like, like that. They, they just seem like Like, I speak to people from other countries, and I'm like, they're so different than us. And I feel like it was, like, they're coming up as kids. Like, that's when, that's what will stop you from eventually being, like, an addict or, you know, someone that has a problem with food or or someone that becomes, like, a sex fiend or something like that. I think it's, like, as a kid like what kind of environment did you grow up in like yeah you know but i guess that's kind of deep
1: Yeah. So no but i think it all plays a part yeah. i think it all plays a part but i also think um if the house is on fire get out of the house mm-hmm. and then figure that shit out figure yeah. out what started the fire after you're out of the house
2: man it's like when i think about it I was smoking pot with my parents when I was like twelve years old. That's crazy, you know. Like I remember going to my cousin's wedding in California and like somewhere up north in California, and like every person there was smoking pot. My parents, my uncles, my cousins, my this person, that person, my brother, and like I was like, all right, like this is what you do when you get older: right. you smoke pot, yeah. get drunk. Like so, like I I was so I was stained early, man. Yeah. Call my mom right now. I love my mom and dad. They're the best thing that ever happened to me. But they fucked me up, man. <laughs> right. And they blame it on me, or, or I blame it on them. They get so angry at me. They're like, "Oh yeah, because we told you to shoot heroin, right?" You know. And I'm like, "Well, <laughs> you didn't no, tell me not to tell happen. me to shoot heroin, but you told you basically told me it was okay to like do drugs." Like, yeah. You know, and like, so it was such so learned, It was it was for me. It was just. I was just so uh, influenced, man. Yeah, super influenced. Were you getting high as a kid? Like when you were no you know, thirteen, fourteen, smoking pot? No,
1: I was drinking at Where'd thirteen, you grow fourteen. Up? I uh, Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Okay. Yeah, I I did I did get arrested in MacArthur Park at twelve buying drugs. Um, but were you weren't smoking pot. Was <laughs> no, I mean I, not not as a regular thing. Oh, okay, yeah, it was it was a. It was a wasn't really a thing. And then I didn't do drugs for a while. And then when I did them, I dove head first pretty quick.
2: Where in L.A. did you grow up? In the Valley. In the Valley? Yeah. yeah. Valley boy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know anything about that. I've heard of it, you know, in the movies. I've been to, L- and to California a couple of times. I have family there, too. Yeah. But it wasn't – I, you know, I don't – I didn't have
1: drugs around me so heavily oh, okay. as a kid. And – the, I had almost the opposite experience where drugs and alcohol were so taboo in my house. Like, there was never alcohol in my house. Uh, my parents didn't oh. drink. They didn't do any drugs were at all. Christians or something? No, they were just, my my dad, my dad was like, told me he got really drunk as a teenager and then just never drank again. And then my mom just was uninterested in it. Mm. Um but when I finally did do drugs, I couldn't talk to them about it because right. it was so taboo. taboo. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a weird thing as a parent to try to um, make the space that my kids live in safe enough that they can talk to me about anything. While certainly not encouraging them to do, and do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like,
2: I, I, how old are your kids? They're old. They're they're adults. Basically. Well, some are adults. Okay.
1: the The youngest is fifteen. Okay. Then they're seventeen, twenty two, and twenty six.
2: Does the fifteen year old live with you? Yeah, she goes okay. to a boarding school. She's okay, here now.
1: Cool. She's somewhere in this house in right house now. Right oh. Yeah, or the guest house. She's somewhere. Yeah, I, okay, I well. sent her to the guest house for for
2: this. <laughs> Jared's coming. Yeah. yeah, you can't make noise. Take the dogs. You don't want to hear Be this? Be quiet. <laughs>
1: Um, she's here somewhere, um, Got it. and uh, and I, you know, and I just want her to to go like, you don't have to have all the same problems I did, man. and if you if you want to if, if anything's get going on, I'm not gonna get mad. Please talk to right. me, you know.
2: Yeah, they're lucky, man. So wait, any are you are you acting still, or are you getting into something I anytime have, soon? Or I
1: have. Um, <laughs> three movies coming out really yeah one will be out around christmas no way and then can you tell me what it's called i'm not supposed to talk about that one but there is one coming out called god is a bullet
2: god is a bullet yeah when's that
1: coming out i'm not sure that we shot we shot both of these last year la uh no uh, mexico city oh wow yeah and then i did a movie in new york called manodrome
2: Manadrome. which
1: is all about like a toxic masculine cult, which will be real interesting. Really? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Toxic masculinity. Yeah. It's like got my
1: name it, It's, all over it's it. like, but no, but this is <laughs> this was something I never even knew was a thing, and I was like, come on! I was reading the script. No, toxic was like, masculinity. No, but oh. this there's this group of guys that are like anti women, and like they're not oh, gay. Wow. And they're and they're they're like abstinent and they're like all about being manly men, but not having sex. But apparently, there's real dudes like that out there.
2: I'm sure there is. Yeah, I just can't get any. I that's what yeah. Any tell yeah that <laughs> wow. it's
1: It's a it's a bizarre movie. Um, you know, uh, like there was a the guy in um, uh, Toronto who shot a bunch of people. He was part of the incels, involuntary celibates. Okay. But that's involuntary. So, this group of guys that this movie's about are voluntarily celibate. I don't know. It's weird. Uh, it's good. It's a cool. It's this guy weird. wrote a script
2: about my life. Really? Yeah, but I don't know what's happening. It's yeah. pretty good. It's called uh, Painkiller.
1: Yeah. That's a good name for a script about your so. life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: It's pretty cool, I guess but they're trying to get, like, funding and stuff for it. Yeah. See what happens. Yeah, making
1: yeah. movies is a very strange process. Yeah, it's not,
2: like, as, like, uh, seamless as I thought it was. No. It's, like, all right, let's write a script, all right, get the actors, and let's film. Yeah. No. No, it's, it's not a like lot that at all.
1: There's a lot of bureaucracy. Man,
2: it's, like, ridiculous. My friend uh, is an actor, and, like, I'm like, this is not worth it, dude. <laughs> it's not it's like easy. the hardest thing you could ever try to do. Yeah. Like, especially now. Yeah. If you're no one, you're not getting anywhere. Like, yeah. if no one knows you, like, you have no chance.
1: Yeah, all the meetings are on Zoom now. It's oh, hard God. to be super, like, uh, charming on Zoom. Yeah, it's weird. It's strange. I couldn't... I, I Somebody asked me recently, like, how do I get into acting? And I was like, dude, yeah, I, I started acting 30 years ago. I, I have no fucking idea how that how works. How did you right? get into acting? I had... Uh, I went to an acting class. You... I had a photographer take pictures of me. I mailed them to agents, and then the agents called me at my home because nobody had cell phones in the early nineties, ah. or like five people had them.
2: Five people in the whole world. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and uh, and then you went on auditions.
2: I don't think you do any of that today. No, there's no way, right? Like you got to go to like school and stuff, and like be like a real actor. I don't, like,
1: I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if you have to go to school, but but I know you're not. You're not so you're sending just natural, people pictures. Naturally, of
2: act, you could just naturally act then, because like you didn't go to like. Uh, no, I did. To, I went to an
1: acting class. Oh, you, yeah.
2: So you went to school, like school, or just a class? Just a class.
1: Yeah. There's a like, lot here, like classes. people. Like I was,
2: I watched. Uh, what was it called with? Uh, how, do, how am I... Val? Did you watch Val uh-uh. about Val Kilmer? Is it oh yes. Uh huh. And he like he went to Juilliard. Yeah. So didn't do anything. Like no that. God oh, wow. no, no God no God no hey, Juilliard. God.
1: I quit school at fourteen. That, <laughs> oh you did? Yeah. My education stopped at fourteen. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. So like I'm an man. idiot. Wow. Yeah.
2: Oh so you just kind of so you just dove right in. That's, that's yeah. That's, yeah. Good for you. That's awesome. Yeah. Man because like some of the roles you did were like good they were good i have a good career <laughs> I, like yeah, I like it and, you know man some of the movies are i loved man yeah my favorite one i think with you was uh was american history acts it's a good movie that's a great movie dude yeah ed norton yeah how was working with him he's awesome. awesome
1: i yeah and then i worked with him again as a director in oh. motherless brooklyn we actually uh, i've seen it i, I think, think American History X came out in 98, and 20 years to the day later, we were shooting a movie in New York called Motherless Brooklyn. Really? Yeah.
2: Uh, it's crazy 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 jared thank you so much
1: no no
3: that was beautiful (laughs) all right mike what's going on my friend
1: hello sir how are you how was this week
3: this week is um it's interesting because i started working out with someone just to uh kind of up the gradient a little bit because i'd seem like what's weird is like now that i'm you know, walking and stuff. It takes a long time for me to get as tired and to feel like I'm working out the body. So I'm like, I think I think I had to up the gradient just a little bit. Yeah. And what's great is that we're just doing movement stuff. You know what I mean? We're not we're not lifting any weights or anything. We're just. Um, <clears throat> what's great about uh, this is like you know just just working on basically a lot of balance stuff, man. And it's it's weird how you get the small um, the small muscles kind of sore which is, which is totally great. And it's, I think I'm at the right place, but I dropped 1.4% body fat.
1: That's amazing.
3: Yeah. So now I think I have to look at a different, a different number. Like I know that, you know, the DEXA scan is probably the best tool for measuring, but I think, I think if, if I'm just looking at mainly now the, the uh, body percentage, yeah. You know, like, I think that's going to be better because I am going to gain a little bit of muscle. And if I, you know, if I'm like, you know, I'm at 189 right now, but I'm like, I've lost, I've gained a, like a couple pounds of muscle and lost, uh, you know, like two pounds of fat. So I'm like, it's still losing fat, even though it's at the same number.
1: hundred percent. And I think whatever you do, as long as you consistently do the same thing and you're seeing movement that way, it doesn't really matter.
3: Right. You know what I mean? Like
1: a DEXA scam, first of all, it's a big dose of radiation and it's hard to, you can't, you can't get them once a week. Yeah. I don't think they'll let you get them once a week. So it's a, it's something you, you do a couple few times a year. Um, but it's not something I've ever used to like track progress. I mean, I, you know, I, when I get one year after year, I look at progress that way. But it's nothing. Some it's not something I would ever think of doing. You know, in the midst of like, I've got a few months. I want to make sure I'm I'm making progress in these few months.
3: Right. No, that makes sense because the thing that you pointed out was that <clears throat> I think that we decided on is to um, is to just pick something and just be pretty consistent with that. Yeah. Right. So that you're like, okay, maybe, you know, cause this thing, you know, it says that I'm 24% body fat, but I'm like, dude, I don't look like, I mean, I just, I just lost 20 pounds. No, I I lost 30 pounds. Dude. Wait a minute. 189. 190. no, no, I lost 20 pounds. Sorry. Well, this is crazy. Um, anyway, but that, that's still a lot of weight and it doesn't look like I'm that much that high and then somebody else that went on that looked really, you know, they looked like they were twelve percent body fat, so they're nineteen. Right. So, so it might be it might be off a little bit, but I I will go by those numbers because I think if I dip into like eighteen percent body fat, I think that'll be really cool.
1: Oh yeah, it's gonna look. And by the way, on a DEXA scan too, it's it's all it's higher. It's always higher than you think. You know what I mean? Like the these these numbers are you see guys and and they've got a six pack and and they talk about being you know 8% body fat in reality they might be 10 or something anyway it, it, you know Hi. i once made a bet with jordan masterson and he was thin as all can be and he was like there's no way uh you have lower body fat percentage than I did. And we went and did DEXA scans and I did, it was pretty great.
3: No way. Yeah. It's amazing, dude.
1: Yeah. But again, he thought he was at like 10% and he was at 15%. Right.
3: Oh wow. Dude, the- that's crazy. Well, I mean, it makes sense, right? Cause I mean, there's even water. I mean, there's, I mean, there, there's, you know, your brain and, and yeah, other, yeah. <laughs> other things that are full of water and, and fat anyway. So, um, yeah. So I know it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not like a, an absolute number. No. You know what I mean? Like, boy, it's, it's fat on a piece of wood. No, it's not like that. It's like, it's all you know, mixed there's
1: around. There's all kinds of factors there too. But like, if you're, if you're consistently getting on the same thing and you're seeing movement on that, that's all you want. That's like, that's all you need.
3: Yeah. And I'm glad that we started looking at that and it, you know, the, but the, another thing that like another little discovery that i got even though like i was walking and stuff i was afraid that i was losing some some muscle dude i i didn't lose muscle like i think it was because i was i was still golfing and i was like if i didn't hit my uh my strain target for the day i would go you know out in the man cave and just hit balls you know golf balls as hard as i i I could yeah and so I do think that, like, I that maybe that was one of the reasons that I didn't lose like a lot of muscle. Actually, I didn't lose any muscle. Like, it was it's pretty damn cool. And I think that you know, walking is, yeah. I mean, it's 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 amazing. I had no idea that this is what was going to happen just from walking and fasting.
1: Yeah, I think that um, if you, I think it's it's keeping like there are levels like when you, when you go super, when you exert like extreme, like if you were running and you were in a severe caloric deficit, like if you were doing a crash diet and doing like intense cardio, I think you'd see a bunch of muscle wasting, you know, but like just keeping it low intensity and not being too restrictive on your diet, I don't think you'll see any muscle wasting.
3: Yeah. I mean, I just got, what was interesting is I'm like, I went to this place and uh, a little shop, you know, and in, in LA when actors are getting ready for something, they, they get sent to these little shops or somebody comes in and takes measurements and stuff. And you know, they need, they needed, they wanted to get new measurements cause they they thought, oh, you lost some weight, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I did. And we're like, okay, let's measure you again. <laughs> right. They were kind. Of, they weren't really like, you know, because they didn't. You know, I don't know. They, I, I'm, I'm not gonna say they were skeptical, but they were, you know, they just wanted to see what the difference was. And the guy taking down my measurements is like, dude, what did you do? And I told him that, you know, what our plan was, and and he's like, no way. And he was, you know, a little bit overweight, but he was really interested. Right. I was like, dude, I swear, dude, I just did some fast. You know, I watched my macros. Got a lot of protein. Mainly it was protein, but I did. I didn't shy away from carbs. Like I definitely like had some carbs right before I worked out. You know, or right before I went on my my you know my uh my walks and stuff. And you know, just stayed active. Just you know, just kept going and try to not sit as much. And and you know, even if I was reading like you know on an iPad, I'd you know do a little you know, just, just try to keep the body moving. Yeah. And he's like, and he's like, no way, come on, man. Come on. You guys have, and I was like, no, I swear, dude, that's, that's what I did. Now I'm, I'm training a little bit, but I've only been training for a week.
1: Right. Like he probably assumed you went into some boot camp or something.
3: Yeah. Or like, or starved myself. And I'm like, no, I mean, I was just at a, at a small caloric deficit and I, and I fasted, you know, but the thing is that I'm like, I you know I woke up I you know had some some coffee, but I think a lot of it has to do with um substituting like instead of doing half and half, I just chose almond milk right you know and then like if I did have any kind of cereal, it'd be like grain free cereal at night with some almond milk and um you know just substituting you know things like if i if I really wanted you know some candy or something i first I got some strawberries and some watermelon. And then see if I still wanted it, and I didn't, and so it, it was just those little tweaks, um, and you know, and it and it worked, and it's working still.
1: It's amazing, dude. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. Th- thanks. Yeah. Thanks So much for for sticking to this and having these conversations with me. I really appreciate it.
3: Yeah, for sure. I want to see how far I could take it. I might not be able to take it too uh, too far, but I think for you know the next project. That I have, I, I think I got to gain some muscle, which is, a, it's, I think it's going to be a whole nother
1: yeah. thing. Yeah. That's, I mean, you know, honestly, I, I, I think, um, especially if we're talking about like, I don't know, building muscle, I find it to be, it's tough. It's tough.
3: Yeah. That's
1: a whole different thing. And if you, especially if you have like a time, window and you're like i want to get the maximum amount of muscle built in this short period of time it's like okay let's get super scientific you know
3: yeah that's yeah that is a whole beast it's a different beast but it can be done (laughs) I i know it can brother
1: um all right brother well have a great week and i will check in with you next week
3: sounds good dude sounds awesome
1: thanks for listening to this episode of american glutton I'm Ethan Suplee. You can follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely.